Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza, this is the third hour of today. And a good Wednesday morning. Welcome to this third hour of today. I'm Craig here in the studio with Joe Martin and Vicki Wing. Hi, good morning. Uh, keeping me company this morning. That's because Chanel's off. Uh, Al Wilker down in Washington, D.C. on assignment. And we told you on Tuesday, uh, if you recall, that Dylan was in the hospital waiting for, for the baby boy to arrive. Well, Al, an update. Yes, very exciting. We've got an update. Dylan and her husband, Brian, and their two boys, Calvin and Ollie, welcomed their new bundle of joy overnight, Russell James Fisher. Yes. Arrived overnight, up early, just like mom. <laughs> uh, baby Russell and mom are both doing fine. Five pounds, five ounces, 18 inches. I talked to Dylan just a little while ago. She's doing well, uh, hanging in there, and uh, everybody's thrilled. Brian went home to take Calvin to school. So uh, uh, little Russell James. Russell is named after uh, uh, Brian's dad, and James is after her dad. Oh, that's so, cool. Uh, it's very nice, honoring both their dads. Their grandpas so that's pretty nice and very very exciting but everybody's doing great, great. Uh, we're so happy to yeah. hear that Most Russell important. James yeah. RJ is a good nickname uh, too. RJ. You know, RJ yeah or, or Russ yeah maybe Russ Russ Big is a Russ. good one it's a great yeah. Russ coming or, up now she has like a little gang three little boys that are so cute sure. so she's feeling okay uh, Al we'll come back to you in just a few moments buddy thank you okay you bet can't wait to see a picture. All right, we want to turn now to a major step in getting children vaccinated against COVID. Pfizer has submitted its data to the FDA for 5 to 11-year-olds. The company says its trials found a smaller vaccine dose to be safe and effective for kids. Dr. Fauci says he thinks emergency authorization could come by late October, but for kids under five, that's going to take longer. Yeah, I talked to Pfizer CEO Dr. Albert Borla as part of a panel discussion for the Atlantic Festival on Tuesday, and this is what he had to say about that. How soon after that uh, do, do we believe that children under the age of five uh, will be able to get a shot? This, the studies are ongoing, Craig, and it is between two and five. I believe in a couple of months uh, we should be in a position to have uh, the date and then eventually submit before the end of the year. Before the end of the year? Yeah. I followed up by saying, from your lips to God's ears. Yeah, um, and what was the most startling part of that in terms of news? Yeah, you know, he said yesterday, and I'd, I'd read about this, but he confirmed it, that they are uh, currently testing, and in fact, I think he said the third stage of trials, um, an oral. Um, so you'll pill, be able to right? take a pill to prevent mm -hmm. transmitting right and COVID treat symptoms and treat symptoms as well. Really so they, they're expecting perhaps this time next year that pill will be on the market. So there'll be a number of different things that we can use to prevent uh, prevent COVID and treat the symptoms That's for COVID as well. So. Really interesting. I'm curious to see how parents are going to react with this five to eleven year old eligibility. Yeah, and yeah. so five to eleven in the next few weeks, and then two to five by the end of the year. And he That's went surprising. on to say that perhaps unsurprisingly, once again, the kids will save us um, because by then <laughs> we'll have herd immunity. Yeah, that's once what it's always been the kids. It's really yeah. important to get that whole population vaccinated. Okay. An interview. Um, you can catch my full interview with Dr. Borla at the Atlantic Festival online. Uh, we also want to mention that NBC News is the exclusive media partner for the Atlantic Festival. Switching gears, I want to turn now to a, uh, a critical mm -hmm. hearing for Britney, Britney Spears this morning. Some of her fans, some of her supporters are dubbing it B-Day. A right. judge expected to decide whether Spears' father, Jamie, 
should be removed as her conservator. He is overseeing her $60 million fortune for some 13 years now, and his actions, as you know, have come under a bit of scrutiny, in part because of allegations of abusive behavior made by Britney. Yeah, in a new statement out just this morning, Jamie Spears' attorney says, in part, Jamie loves Britney unwaveringly and wants only the best for her. All of his actions were well within the parameters of the authority conferred upon him by the court. And we're joined by someone who's been following this case closely, Erin Lee Carr, director and filmmaker of the new Netflix documentary, Britney versus Spears. Erin, good morning. Thank you so much. No, so you. what do you expect to see out of this morning, out of the trial? It's been such a wildly unpredictable case and so I think we're hoping that there is justice that happens for Brittany but if you look at sort of conservatorships and how they start and how they end I think we're you know looking for a continued battle there might be a chance that she gets out but I think it will be determined today by the judge really Aaron, I think this is so fascinating. Everybody who has watched Britney growing up, as I did, and seeing what's going on with her and her family, and learning more about this idea of conservatorships. What did you learn about the process, not just involving someone who's young, a famous celebrity, but in general across this country and how people get into them? I mean, I've always, I'm a feminist forward filmmaker. And it, the question to me was, would a young male pop star be put in a conservatorship? I think a lot of people struggle with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of what my work has been about in the past. But you don't hear the word conservatorship coming up. And so I think really it's about how much does her fortune factor into it? How much does her fame factor into it? How much is that, this were the troubles that happened in 2008. But we're not in 2008 anymore. We're in 2000. 2021. Mm -hmm. And so why does it remain? Mm -hmm. I, I want to get your, your take on, on these new allegations that, that were brought up in the New York Times uh, documentary. I'm sure you've seen this. The Jamie Spears and his team allegedly surveilled Britney, actually mirroring her cell phone, bugging the bedroom. Why do you think measures like that would, would even be taken? You know, it was something that I also found. I've been uh, reporting this for two and a half years. And it was Jamie, um, it's in my opinion, Jamie was obsessed with Britney Spears and wanted to know specifically about her love life. And so it made a lot of sense that, you know, it was, it really was about understanding what she was doing and who she was talking to. And we were given, you know, hundreds of text messages, which ultimately I didn't feel comfortable using because, you know, it really, I don't want to be another Jamie Spears. We have one small interaction between Adnan, her previous boyfriend, and Britney Spears saying, get me that lawyer, please. And not, so I think, not, yeah. not asking you, obviously, to actually, before I ask you this question, I want to read the statement, by the way, from the security company. The security company in charge of Britney did not respond to NBC's request uh, for comment, but their lawyer did tell the New York Times they are particularly proud of their work in keeping Ms. Spears safe for many years. So that, that's coming from the security company. Really quickly, I just want to follow up on something you said. Not to reveal the text messages, but can you characterize the nature of them? I mean, first off, she isn't safe. I think that when a security firm says, oh, that a fan doesn't, didn't come up, I remember looking at this footage where a, a fan came up on stage and she screamed and you couldn't hear her audio because she wasn't mic'd. Now, I don't understand, was that because, you know, she, her mic wasn't on or was that she literally didn't have her mic on between sets because they weren't sure what she was going to say. Wow. Uh, and so I think that there is just an endless rabbit hole and I think people love Britney Spears. Right. And I think that it really is, it's just what was going on in this conservatorship. And we understand why somebody like Jamie would want to have control, but why the criminal justice system, why the judge, and what are these, how is it still today that we're even discussing, like, is she going to get out when in June 23rd she said, 
this is abusive, I want it to end. And quite a level of control, really excited to see your film, and I think there's another one as well, so, you know, looking at it from all different angles. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your insight Thank this you so much for being here. And Aaron Lee Carr, um, thank you again. Britney versus Spears is streaming on Netflix now. Good having you around this morning. This was, this was a nice debut. Thank you so much. Make some more docs and come back. I want to take a turn to something that's really exciting for us here. Going to bring back Mr. Roker to tell us all about it. Al, we're going to show him how the sausage is made. <laughs> yes, we are. And who doesn't like sausage, okay? It really is cool uh, because we're, we're always amazed at, at what our staff pulls off every morning uh, during our show for the four hours of today. And now we're going to go behind the scenes to show you how they do it with a new half-hour show called The Making of Today. On the episode, we're going to give you a tour of Studio 1A that you see on TV every day, but I'm going to reveal some secrets of the set you may not know. We're also going to show you how we went to not one, not two, but three Broadway show openings and how we were able to turn that around for you to watch at home the very next morning. And Chanel will take us behind the curtain, how she got glammed up for the Met Gala and introduce you to her glam squad for that very day. It's all going to be streaming on Today All Day. Now, if you need help finding it, check out Peacock or go to today.com slash all day. I also uh, take you behind the scenes of my zero-G gravity flight, all that and more. Very exciting. Yeah, so that was I hope awesome. you'll tune in. Yeah, I, I don't think people realize how much goes into each. And uh, congratulations to Ali, who oversees the show as yes. well, who, yes, who so came Ali up Marco with this. It's yeah, so Marco really Polo. awesome. Al, thank you. Okay, guys. See you back tomorrow. And yes, and of course, Missy. From, yes, um, Missy Dunlop. Today, Missy Dunlop from today all day. So we're really excited. And before we go to break, Craig, you took uh, part in a pretty special event last night. You know what? We were honored. Oh, there's a picture. We were honored to be invited. Uh, wow, Hannah look Storm. at those powerhouses wow. in that picture. Hannah and Katie Crook and my wife Lindsay and then uh, Lara, Lara Spencer from over at ABC. So it's the Hannah Storm Foundation. We were there for Hannah right in the middle. Uh, provides medical support and education for children and families who suffer from vascular birthmarks mm -hmm. and other related conditions. Over the years, they've raised millions of dollars to help dozens of kids from all over the world Amazing. have surgeries. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was, it was really cool last night. We were celebrity waiters. Yeah. And, and I oh, got the bartender. That you oh, people. you did? I was bartender. Wow. In fact, okay. I spent, spent a fair amount of time last night making tequila drinks with Isaiah Thomas. Wow. Yeah. Yes, wow. And Lindsay so, looked world. great. Great event. And Hannah always does such great things. Yes. So, so important, too. Those surgeries are life-changing yes. for those kids. Absolutely. Yeah. When we come back here on a Wednesday morning, it is World Heart Day, and Bob Harper, Bob Harper in studio to tell us about a really special new project that is deeply <laughs> personal for him, and Bob Harper looks great. Yeah. Uh, then a little bit later, we're going to stick with the health theme because a Grammy-winning singer, Sierra. Oh, she's already up. She's wow. up early. Uh, <laughs> she ever. is going to join us live to share a very important message for women. The third hour of today, right back after this. Today is World Heart Day, and this morning we have one high-profile survivor with us to raise awareness. Back in 2017, news of Bob Harper's heart attack, it's pretty shocking. He was the personal trainer on The Biggest Loser. 
and he went into cardiac arrest while he was at the gym. Well, now Bob is sharing a powerful and personal project as part of the Survivors Have Heart program. Bob has taken portraits of those who have also had heart attacks. And this is this is just a, a first look at some wow, of these portraits beautiful. before they're displayed publicly uh, here in, in New York City in October. Uh, Bob Harper, good to see you, brother. Welcome back. It's good to see you. It's so exciting to see those photos um, yes. out in real life. Like you guys are the first people to see these photos today. And then, now our audience as well. Yeah. And we've just shown some of these portraits that you've taken for Survivors Have Heart and AstraZeneca, for whom you are a paid spokesperson. What can you tell us about the two other survivors here? Well, what were you trying to portray in the pictures? Tamika and Tasha, they were such good subjects because they came in and what I wanted to do is really show the power in these women, the, the hope for, uh, for a heart attack survivor right now. Can, they can see these photos and think, you know what, there is life after this. If I've survived this heart attack, I can have a full life that is strong and happy and fulfilling. Yeah. I mean, these women really showed that and that's what I wanted to capture in the photos. My photographs can tend to be on the darker side, and this time I really wanted to bring uh, a lot of positivity and make them very uplifting, and I'm really happy with how the photographs turned out. Yeah, they're beautiful. And how are you feeling, and how does it feel for you to have a self-portrait and also it being displayed in New York City. Yeah, I tell you, I do not like getting my photograph taken. And uh, I decided, well, you know what? Let me just go ahead and put the camera on me. So I set up the tripod and, uh, and I took that photograph that you're seeing right now. And, uh, you know, it's very, as, you, as we all know, when you get your photo taken, it's very, um, it's very personal. personal yeah. and, uh, and I just tried to really capture who I am in that photograph, and I think I did a pretty good job. Bob, it's World <laughs> Heart Day today, very yes. appropriate day to have you here, right? And so, you know, I think when you had your heart attack, a lot of us were so stunned. We were used to seeing you on The Biggest Loser. You were the picture of health. So what was it that you learned after that experience? What do you want to tell people about, you know, genetics and also what you learned? Yeah, I think the main thing is people need to really know what their history is mm -hmm. from the inside out. You cannot judge a book by its cover. I mean, when I dropped dead in that gym in Chelsea um, four years ago, yeah. I mean, I looked good. Mm -hmm. you did. Absolutely. <laughs> I looked good, but uh, I did not know what was going on with me. And I think that what's so interesting about Survivors Have Heart is that it's a full circle right now. And the fact that I shared my story with um, all of you and Savannah that one day, and then now we're going to have this whole exhibit over at the uh, Flatiron Plaza. And I'm really excited on October 22nd and 23rd with these other photographs. You're going to see Tamika and Tasha, but um, I have three other subjects, two, another woman and two men. And I, I I've learned so much during this time, and I really feel like the main thing that I've learned is that we have to appreciate every single day. We have to appreciate right here and right now, because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Especially after what's happened over the past mm -hmm. few years. That's right. I want to just ask about you. Every time we see you, you have a new tattoo. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and so, did, and you got a special one also on your... Yeah, I did. I, um, I got a couple of... Uh, I get tattooed at Smith Street Tattoo Parlor in Brooklyn, and uh, and I got like these, um, these hands on my chest, which was literally the most painful tattoo in the world. Thank you, Eli, um, for that. But I also got a heart on my uh, on my leg commemorating that with a nurse because let me tell you, mm -hmm. the nurses when I was going through my um, recovery, 
they were there for me like you would not believe. So I have nothing but mad respect for um, the nurses that helped it's me. It's great to see you, brother. You know, you look great, by well, the way. Thank all, you. Well, all three of you. Well, thank you very much. Oh, wow. You, my old trainer, Bob I was Harper. going to say, <laughs> he looks great because of you. Bob, Bob Harper and I worked out a couple years ago. We did. Shortly before the heart attack. Right before my heart attack. I mean, not I'm not going to say. No correlation. No correlation. I'm not going to say that Craig there had anything is. to do with it. Oh, look, oh, there you are. Heck of a workout, my man. Look at you. That was the last time I've been in that gym with Bob. Too. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, thank you, Bob. And you can find out a lot more about heart attack warning signs on our website today.com. Thanks so much for being here. And coming up next, Grammy winner Sierra joins us live. She's here to share an important message. Hi there for women. And she's making a big reveal a brand new book she worked on with her husband. We'll be right back. Hey. This morning, we are catching up with the one and only Sierra, the Grammy winner behind hits like One Two Step and Level Up. Now the singer is using her voice to share an important message about women's health. I thought you were going to go into One Two Step. <laughs> yeah, no, she's, live. <laughs> she's live to tell us about that and everything else she's working on, Superwomen. Sierra, good morning. Good morning, Good hey, everyone. Good to see you all. Good to see, Good to see you. you. Thanks for getting up early with us. And I know in a couple of hours, <laughs> I know, you're joining um, a, a panel to talk about something very important to you, cervical screenings. Yes. Today we're going to be having a really great conversation that's important. It's going to be 12 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be talking about serving confidence. And I'll be with Dr. Jessica Shepard. And we're going to get out there and have a conversation about what's so important for us women. And that is self-care taking care of ourselves, getting that well-woman exam, and also getting women to get out there and get their HPV and pap screening is so important. And I've been able to learn a lot through this campaign that black women and Latina women are two times more likely to die from cervical cancer. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk about it. And the great thing is knowing that cervical cancer is preventable. And so we're going to have a conversation today, a real conversation that I'm excited about. And it's very, very necessary. And it's been an amazing campaign to be a part of. Yeah, I, want women, I want my women to serve confidence out there. These are important conversations to have, as you mentioned, especially for black and brown women. You're currently serving as a paid spokesperson for Black Women's Health Imperative, but this was personal for you. It was really important for you to get involved. Why is that? Well, I actually had someone on my team that experienced cervical cancer, and, um, you know, thank God she made it through it. Um, but this is real, being a black woman and understanding, you know, the facts of what it is that two times, women, black women and Latina women are two times more likely to die from cervical cancer. I couldn't help but be excited to use my platform to educate women. And it's really simple. You know, this is that screen that we sometimes don't want to be bothered with, mm -hmm. but there's nothing better than being clear on where our health status is. And um, I just want to encourage my women to get up and get out there and take care of ourselves. So like, important. let's serve confidence together. Let's really be on top of our stuff. There's nothing sexier than doing that. And Amen. so mm -hmm. um, that's why I wanted to be a part of this amazing campaign. Hey, Sarah, let's switch gears for a moment here because, you know, multi-talented entertainer. And now, well, now apparently you've decided you're going to be an author as well. Adding to that resume yeah. with a new children's book, it's called Why Not You. What's, what's, what was the impetus for the book and, and what message do you want to deliver with it? Well, my husband, Russ, and I, we have our Why Not You Foundation, and we're really big on empowering the youth to lead with the Why Not You attitude. And we both had a longtime dream of wanting to create our own book, and this is the perfect opportunity. We want to encourage kids all over, everywhere, to have that Why Not You attitude, because mm -hmm. 
that's the same attitude that Russ and I had growing up. And I think that once a child taps into that why not you spirit, it's game on. They're going to be set up to tackle their dreams and go after the big dreams that they may have. And so that's what this book is all about. We work with an amazing illustrator, Jessica Gibson, and a really, really cool writer, Janae Wood Brown. And it was just so much fun bringing this, bringing it to life and putting it together. And so why not you? You know, we want everyone to think about that and to be inspired to have that why not you attitude, especially for the youth. It's such a beautiful message, and I know Russell's father is the one who originally said that to him. And so now we have an exclusive reveal. So I want drumroll, please. Oh. We are revealing the cover for the first time here on the third hour of today. Are you ready, everyone? Yes. so cool. Oh, it really so says sweet. it all in that beautiful cover. So again, why not you? Why did you decide on this cover? Well, this was, it was a little inspiration from Russ and I, obviously, you see us too there. And it was kind of the perfect <laughs> way to do this, you know? Um, this is really special to us, you know? And this book is definitely a representation of us and our vision and the vision we have for kids all over. Um, and so it just was kind of the perfect way to do it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Why not have a little sprinkle of us in the, in the mix, you know? Um, but when, you re when the kids read the book, they'll be able to see representation of themselves. Um, you know, diversity was really important as well. And uh, we want everyone to feel included and to be excited, to get that why not you attitude and spirit going. Um, and it was so much fun creating the characters and just being a part of the process as a whole. We can't, I mean, we gotta ask her about the Met Gala. I know, I was Please. going to We gotta ask her about the, the dress. The definition I, of a jersey dress. What, I mean, and supportive wife. <laughs> what did your husband say when he saw it for the first time? Oh, he was so, he was so sweet. You know, thing about Russ is that he's not really the most dramatic reactor. Mm -hmm. So when I told him about the idea and showed him the sketch, he was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and, you know, I knew that meant he loved it. Uh, but he really, really was um, smiling from ear to ear. Um, and especially also, I remember talking to him at the end, my stylist, Marielle, she said, you know, I think the jewelry you should do should be the Super Bowl ring. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ooh. Yeah, well, amazing. Let me tell you something. It. You do you well, and thank you so much for joining us, and congratulations. And you can watch Sierra as she headlines Serving Conversations today at noon, live on Black Women's Health Imperative's YouTube page. All right, coming up next, they have been on a mission for 10 years. The women behind Baby to Baby are here to share their important cause and to make a big announcement. We'll be right back. And this morning in our series, The Upside, an organization making a difference in the lives of parents, especially babies. Yeah, Baby to Baby is a diaper bank and national nonprofit that distributes basic essentials for the last 10 years with the support from huge celebs like Gwyneth Paltrow, Kelly Rowland, and more. Baby to Baby has given out more than 200 million items to families in 150 cities. Just think of that number. Nora Weinstein and Kelly Sawyer Patrickoff are the co-CEOs. Good morning to both of you. We know diapers have always been a challenge. They're expensive. But can you talk about what this past year and a half has been like with the pandemic and then in some parts of the country, people have had horrible natural disasters like Hurricane Ida. How has that made things even tougher? Yeah, I mean, one in three families before the pandemic were choosing between food and diapers and we're struggling to afford diapers already. Diapers are so expensive. They're 14% of a low-income families money goes wow. to buying diapers and they're the fourth highest expenditure after food, rent and utilities. So already families were struggling and the pandemic has just made it so much worse. Yeah, I, I know you guys, a, a million last year, 
two million over ten years. I mean, this is you've really taken it to scale. What was the impetus? How, how did we decide this was going to be the the area where we made the difference? Well, the diapers when we would go when you speak to a low-income mom or dad, the first thing they say every time that they're struggling with is diapers. That's where they start. If they can't get a clean diaper on their child, they can't get the services that they need. And so, again, the statistic, one out of three families in this country struggling to afford them. And they're just simply, they're just so expensive. They're $70 to $80 per baby per month. And we had at baby to baby a requ request for 731 million diapers this year. Wow. And being so expensive, you're working on manufacturing them, right? So to make them less expensive. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, we started, um, we're just about to start distributing the ones that we manufactured. We got, um, with our wholesale partners, we got them for six cents a diaper. We were able to take off the cartoon characters and the bells and whistles and get them um, made for six cents, which generally retail, they're 35 to 67 cents a diaper. So wow. it's really a great price and we're gonna be able to distribute them to so many more families in need. No question, that's such a game changer to take something from 67 cents down to six cents. You're also working not just to give the diapers out, but kind of behind the scenes with legislative actions. I could not believe that diapers are something that are taxed in a majority of our states still. We cannot believe it either. 35 <laughs> states still tax diapers as luxury items, oh which they, any parent knows that they are certainly not. Um, we were successful. We worked with Governor Gavin Newsom in New York to repeal diaper tax that went into effect in January 2020, which was in opportune t timing in California. But there, we were the 10th state to make that happen and, and 35 to go. Because some states some already don't. just don't have sales tax on anything. Yeah, mm -hmm. it kind of makes you wonder why, why we've been taxing diapers in this country for so long. But I guess we tax lots of things. But, um, <laughs> but when do the diapers here in New York start to make their way out? Well, today we are hosting a diaper distribution in the city, and okay. we are going to be distributing the diapers, the baby-to-baby -baby diapers, um, to families in need. We have about a thousand families coming to our event, and um, it's going to be an amazing day. We're also distributing backpacks and groceries and educational toys and school supplies and so much more. And we're here to hopefully make a difference in families recovering from COVID in New York. Oh, you're, Incredible. You Such a worthwhile mission. Thank you so much, Nora and Kelly, for being here with us. To read more about Baby to Baby or to figure out how you can get involved or help out, just go to our website, today.com. Keep it up. Great work. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, when we come back, author Mel Robbins is here for Wellness Wednesday. Oh, in the studio. She's going to share the very simple trick, one trick to boost your mood. We'll be right back. High five. I love it. And we are back on a Wellness Wednesday. Our next guest has a new way to celebrate yourself every morning. Right. Amel Robbins is a motivational speaker, podcaster, and the best-selling author behind the high five the, behind the five second rule. <laughs> the new book is called The High Five Habit, and she's here to tell us what that means. Mel, good morning. Thank good you. Good morning. Number two on Amazon. That's so right. Congrats. Boom. So let's talk about this high five habit. In short, it's about cheering yourself on in all aspects of your life, yes. right? Yes. How, why is this so important? 
Well, first of all, the last 18 months, I think, has punched everybody in the face. We all have higher anxiety. We feel uh, discouraged. We feel low energy. And so you have to know how to pick yourself back up when something like this happens. You need more positive energy. And this goes deeper than just cheering for yourself. There is so much science behind high-fiving yourself in the mirror that is mind-blowing. Huh. I started doing this because I was overwhelmed by my life. I was overwhelmed during quarantine and I couldn't think of anything positive to say to myself in the mirror. And one morning I just all of a sudden high-fived the exhausted, overwhelmed, tired woman I saw staring back at me and I felt this shift in energy. I did it for a month. I posted one photo online and more than a hundred people posted photos within an hour of themselves and with their kids of all ages, of all sizes, races, religions, doing it around the world. And I thought, well, that's crazy. Maybe I'm not the only one who needs to feel lifted up. So I did a year-long research project. The science is nuts, you guys. Mm. So let's talk about a high-five. Okay. You yeah. high-five people okay. your entire life. When you yep. high-five somebody, what does a high-five mean? You're saying, way to go. Yeah, Good job. Yeah. Yes. You've never high-fived somebody and said, you're terrible, I hate you, you're a failure. That, right. That is it's true. a positive emotion, right. a positive gesture. All of that programming is in your brain. Ah. It's already there. So the physical cues the mental? Boom. Okay, And I love so that. you can stand in front of the mirror and say, my life is terrible, I'm a failure, I, I'm ashamed of this, that, and the other thing. When you go to high-five your reflection, yeah. the subconscious part of your brain overrides what you're thinking, and it programs with your reflection, I believe in you, I that. see you, I love you. So just, so, and it's not... You don't even have to touch the mirror. A lot of people don't. Okay. Just look at yourself in the mirror for a minute. Okay. Because 91% of women hate how they look. 50% wow. of men and women don't even look at themselves in the mirror. Wow. That's sad. Yeah, yeah, that is sad. But when you look at yourself in the mirror, you're actually staring at another human being. And everybody has a habit right now that is to pick apart or ignore the human being they see. Mm-hmm. It's true. I want you to break it. And so you just look at yourself and think, how do I need to show up for that human being? And then just raise your hand. And high-five your reflection. Honestly, I feel it. I do. I know what you're talking about. And I will say, I was just at a playground in Philadelphia with a bunch of kids. And they were doing this, like, planned recess where every time you lost the game, right? Yeah. Like, so you're out. You get tagged, whatever. You high-five the person. And the other one tells you, you're awesome. Even though you're out, it's just, like, an uplifting feeling. Well, you know why? Because every time somebody else gives you a high-five, your brain releases dopamine. Mm. And your nervous system gives you a jolt of celebratory energy. This comes from Dr. Daniel Amen, the world's leading expert on the brain. On top of that, there's research about kids. The most motivating force in the world when researchers studied how to push kids through a challenge yeah. is not to tell them they're smart, not to tell them to work harder. It's to give them a high-five with no words. Because when you high-five mm. a human being, you're saying, I see you, I believe in you, I love you. That's what it's communicating. No, well, I'm going wonderful. to I'm going to fist bump because it's the five. same reaction too. Oh, high five. <laughs> it's incredible. The high five habit is out now. Thanks so much. And coming up tomorrow, SNL star Keenan Thompson is live to tell us about his new co-star, a big red dog. We'll be right back. Oh, yeah, it's only Wednesday, but it's the, game, <laughs> the game on Sunday is so big, we're going to start talking about it now. Tom Brady's return to New England, ladies and gentlemen. Tom facing his former coach, the team he led the nine Super Bowls. Coverage of the return starts Sunday night, 70 Eastern on NBC and Peacock. We'll be watching. Yeah, we will be. 
By the way, thank you. Yeah. Sure, Vicky, thanks for sticking around. Tomorrow on the third hour, SNL star Keenan Thompson. Coming up on Hoda and Jenner, they're catching up with Gloria Stefan and Savannah's here. Have a great Wednesday, everyone.